So Penn State gets it done, 30-13. to 13. Hey, look, good teams win, great teams cover. It was certainly gritty, not pretty. We're going to discuss if there's a little bit of cause for concern going up against the likes of Iowa after Penn State does improve to 3-0 and against Illinois in today's contest. You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right, you are locked on Nittany Lines. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We're free to available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network coming to you live here on YouTube. This is your post-game show. We want to hear from you, whether that's about Illinois, Iowa, any of the upcoming games, because now Penn State, I mean, at least it looked like they were in a really good position to go up against the Hawkeyes of Iowa. But now uh, we're here after an Illinois game that they they showed – uh, they they pushed back quite a bit against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, we're going to jump into all of it. Zane Bransfield is going to be joining me on the show as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Now new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, and let, let's open it up here with Penn State and Illinois. So that 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 is that first takeaway is the gritty, not gritty. Okay, the offense uh, had trouble getting it going. The defense, uh, it, some days, okay, Penn State is going to get into a situation where the defense is going to be given up maybe 30, 40 points. I, let's hope that doesn't happen, right? I don't want to see Penn State uh, have 40 points put up against them. But Ohio State and Michigan do come to mind when you think about it. Uh, and Maryland is probably going to be tougher. I would say probably in the 30-point range, uh, unless the defense is really able to step up. But I don't know if it was the road jitters. I don't know if Penn State was looking ahead towards the Iowa game because Iowa right now is a lot better than Illinois. And don't get me wrong, college football athletes, and you see it in the pros as well, that Penn State was certainly in a position to look ahead to the whiteout game the Hawkeyes are supposed to be the Big Ten West team. They're supposed to represent that side of the conference in a Big Ten championship. So Penn State, yeah, it's the 1-0 and mentality, but, man, don't don't try to sit back and tell me, like, oh, Iowa is not a more, more high-profile game than Illinois, but you got to take care of business in the game in the week that you're in, okay? Illinois played well. If it wasn't for five turnovers, they played scrappy. They, they played good for where they are because – Kansas obliterated them. Uh, Illinois was playing far from behind. That game was out of reach. The only reason it was 34 to 23 was because of garbage time. And then they went up against Toledo. Toledo's a very good MAC team. I'll give them that. And Toledo, frankly, should have won, which led me back to sit and say, okay, Penn State is going to have its way with Illinois. And defensively, they did. Offensively, the problem wasn't Illinois' offense, okay? The problem was Illinois' defense. Kansas was able to break off. They were Their running backs were averaging 10 yards per carry. And I thought that Penn State, given that they'd be up by a lot of points, I mean, they did lead uh, They did lead 30-7 to seven at one point, but they, there were times where I sat back and I said, Penn State needs to be ahead by more than, and than what they are. You were plus three in the turnover margin after the first quarter, and the score was only 13 to nothing. This game should have gotten out of hand. Illinois' offense does commit a lot of turnovers, but they can move the football. It's the defense that has no business stopping anybody. Toledo ran all over them, scored 28 points. A MAC team, may I remind you, that game was 30-28. to 28. Illinois had to come from behind. 
the Jayhawks put up 34 points, no problem. And they were so effective of running on the ground. This should have been a Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen type of day. The offensive line should have had their way with the way that Illinois is so committed to man coverage. They have extra defensive backs out there, but that extra defensive back is committed to stopping the run. At least they were this time around. They ran single high safety. So Penn State, it it really should have been a situation where it was pick your poison and the ground game. You want to start and finish with that. Now, the difference here for this Penn State team, what they would have had problems closing it out a couple years ago, 2021. We saw that right with nine overtimes, but the difference between other Penn State teams in the past and this year's Penn State team is the fact that they are able to close these games out. They can dictate time of possession. They can control the pace of the game and they can just grind it out. Illinois' defense essentially collapsed because of how long they were on the football field. Even though Penn State, yes, in the third quarter, there were some quick three and outs, but over the course of that game and the turnovers by the offense certainly didn't help the fighting Illini. But Penn State just kept extending drives, extending drives, extending drives. And then Penn State would shoot itself in the foot with stupid penalties. I was really shocked with the way that Devon Ellis and Keandre Lambert-Smith, of all guys, would really allow Illinois to extend its drive to put Penn State in a third and 18 situation when they were really driving the football. So the defense saved the day. Five turnovers, four interceptions. You take the entire confidence away from what Illinois is trying to do offensively because at times they were able to move the football. I am concerned about the fact that Penn State did fall asleep periods of time in the game. Arm tackles, veteran players to see Keaton Ellis, linebackers just whiffing on Illinois players. This Illinois offense is not good. Luke Altmaier is a poor, decisive quarterback. He makes poor decisions. Good athlete. He can run. Him getting banged up in the middle of the game, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, well, thank goodness he was hurt. Thank goodness he got injured. That's not what I'm here to say. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I was, believe me, I was sweating when Drew Aller hit his hand on Johnny Newton's helmet. And Johnny Newton was a problem from start to finish. And they left him in the game for a long time. I would have taken him out. That, that, is, a, that is an NFL player that you saw on display here on Saturday for Illinois. But Altmaier not being 100% definitely helped Penn State defensively. There wasn't that threat of the run anymore. Illinois had a solid game plan to start horizontally spread Penn State's defense out, use Luke Altmaier's legs to your advantage. I was impressed with not necessarily Josh McRae, but Reggie Love had a, had a decent day on the ground. And Illinois, for that good portion, up until late in the second quarter, before Penn State scored that final field goal, 16-7. to Yeah, it felt like Illinois was a little too much in this game, even with the plus-three turnover margin. So Penn State does have some things to clean up. I think being on the road, it was an emotional game. You could see it. Both sides were getting penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct. Plays were extending after the whistle was blown. The Nittany Lions and the Fighting Illini definitely remember that nine-overtime game, and it's a matter of protecting Illinois' bragging rights and then Penn State getting that revenge. So it was a highly emotional game, but it led to undisciplined plays. So this let's... To, to just kind of give an overview of, of what I saw today. The defense is, I'm glad the defense had a coming up party, five turnovers. You make that Illinois offense look silly and, and you did every, it seemed like everybody had an interception. Everybody had a turnover. They could have had more, really. They could have had seven takeaways. Zach Wheatley missed out on an interception. Dom DeLuca missed out on another one. They should have had so much. 
I would have said upwards of eight. There were fumbles that were called uh, that were just called down by contact or incomplete. And Penn State really could have buried the fighting Illini further than what it was. 30 to 13 does not tell what the box score says. But I think that Penn State, unlike years past, they were able to wear this opponent down. This was a road game. That was a tougher environment in Champaign than people are going to give them credit for. And everyone's probably going to complain and say that, well, Penn State, uh, they didn't win 50 to nothing. Are they really a college football playoff contender? It is coming away with these kinds of wins that make me feel better about Penn State than I would have in the past. How about Florida State nearly losing to Boston College? Florida State's supposed to be the number two team in the country, right? Or they're supposed to be at least top five polls or have uh, teams all over the place. But Florida State beat LSU convincingly. And then you almost lose to Boston College 31 to 29? Penn State didn't have that issue. They were in control late, late in the third quarter, and that's what you wanted in a road environment. So I don't sit back and say the, the time is to hit the panic button about Penn State. Sure, there's things they need to clean up. Don't commit those penalties. Capitalize more on those turnovers. Play calling was questionable at points in time. You're at the T formation. T formation works almost every single time, at least it feels like. Illinois did very well against defending the run. The run game's got to get it going. I, I really don't know what's going on when you have two first-round picks in Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, and those guys aren't able to just maximize their abilities, their talent. Uh, the offensive line, the wide receivers, there's specific plays that I take away from that game, and I'm trying to figure out why isn't Singleton breaking off the run? Yeah, he had the touchdown. Katron Allen was able to break his way through a line of scrimmage, shoulder some defenders, and really had to do extracurricular stuff to get some bigger plays. But it, it wasn't you look at the wide receivers, you look at the additional blocking the double team, and then you peel off from the line of scrimmage from the offensive line. And they are just not, they're not getting off their blocks. Wide receivers aren't doing enough to block for Penn state. And that's why the tight ends, everyone's saying tight ends aren't utilized enough. That's very true because they haven't been able to go out wide and be pass catchers because the blocking's just not what it is. So don't, don't criticize Singleton and Allen. If you're thinking that be critical of the offensive line, and more so the wide receivers as well, because the wide receivers aren't doing their assignments, and it's why Penn State has to dial it back in with what Mike Yersich really wants to do. More three wide receiver sets. Tight ends go out and catching more passes. Tyler Warren had a touchdown catch. Uh, Theo Johnson should have, uh, did have some plays. Uh, Nicol- Nicholas Singleton was the leading wide receiver today, oddly enough. Uh, but when you get him in open space, look what he can do with the football. We saw more of that 22 personnel where two running backs are on the football, whether it's 21-22, it doesn't matter. Two running backs were on the field at the same time, Singleton and Allen, and there was that fake to Allen and that dump off to Nicholas Singleton in the flat. And I'm like, that is textbook. So the everydayers knew that one was coming, and they broke it out today. You're going to see that more against the likes of Iowa. You're going to see that definitely against Michigan and Ohio State, where Penn State is going to add more wrinkles. Illinois had to do so much to remain competitive in today's game from a scheme standpoint, to hide stuff on film, and for Penn State, on this pre on the pregame show that I did as solo, if you watch the preview, okay, the score wasn't right. I get that. But Penn State did cover. They did win, right? And they took control late in the game, and you never had to look back. For Penn State, they could run the same base offense and not doing and not do anything additional, go on the road against a Big Ten opponent that was up for this game and still came away with the success that they did. Penn State didn't do anything crazy. They didn't reinvent the wheel. For the fighting Illini, for Brett Bielema, they had to. They had to do so much additional stuff 
away from their traditional game plan just to remain competitive. And that's the difference between Penn State teams in the past and why they are a college football playoff contender. So they win 30 to 13. That's the overview of it. We're going to have more uh, specific takeaways. The defense, we're going to start with them because they're, they're overall, they're the MVP. It was huge to get got a guy like Daquan Hardy back. Keziah Izzard played a lot. I'm glad those guys are healthy. Zane Bransfield is waiting behind the scenes. He's going to join me in the upcoming segment. Uh, let's hear from one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Athletic Brewing Company, because we're going to have a game changer from the performance between Penn State and Illinois, 30 to 13, as I mentioned, because uh, Athletic Brewing Company is changing the game when it comes to non-alcoholic beers. That's right. You get the tastiest quiz. You get the tastiest beverages that are non-alcoholic. So brews, IPAs, everything, you name it from Athletic Brewing Company. And Penn State, had the game changer was the defense. Okay, I could pick out uh, Daquan Hardy, the pressure in the face, Abdul Carter, really anybody else. I'm going to give it to Daquan Hardy just because first game back, he gets an interception. Johnny Dixon had one as well. You could pick anybody on the defense. But like Penn State's defense being a game changer today against Illinois, Athletic Brewing Company is your game changer uh, when it comes to non-alcoholic beers. So uh, when now take advantage of this offer because there's 50 styles of crap, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden sours, and more. And with Locked On, you can go visit Athletic Brewing Company's website and use the promo code Locked On for 15% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Locked on Nittany Lions is your go-to podcast for happyvalleyinsider.com. Penn State Rivals will have the recaps analysis for this game and previews of Penn State and Iowa. Because now it's all about Iowa, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 as they move on. And let's welcome in Zane Bransfield to open up segment number two. And Zane, it's... Uh, it's a win. A win's a win. Gritty, not pretty. I, I want to start off with the defense here because Penn State, they, the five turnovers definitely helped, <laughs> to say the least, Zane, uh, about this. So when, when you watch that game, even if Penn State doesn't get the four interceptions and the one fumble, did they still win this game in this kind of manner? Did the turnovers really bail them out today? I don't think the turnovers really did that much because if we like really watch the game back, they got the turnovers, but it wasn't like we really capitalized or scored many touchdowns off of them. So I think it was just like, yeah, it was good. It looks good on a box score, but I don't think that really changed the game as much as what people think it did. Yeah, at Penn State, I mean, just at times, really, the the offense is the concern, the struggles, and and we do we see your comments and we encourage you. So I'm going to save this one when we move into the third segment because it's it it is about the offense. We see your comment, Chris. I want people to share their thoughts in the chat because this is your post game show. We want you to have the conversation with us. Uh, defensively, at, at times they were a little lackluster tackling. It was that drive down the field when Penn State's up 13 to nothing. Really felt like they should have been up maybe by 10 more points, something in the neighborhood of 24 to nothing. They did have that blocked field goal, if you remember. Jerzon uh, Newton, Johnny Newton, Jay Newton, whatever you want to call him, was exceptional. He is an NFL player. He's going to be playing on Sundays, and he'll probably be a first-round pick. Penn State had to deal with that. But he was a matchup problem for Olu Fashinu. He was a matchup problem for the guards. Anywhere they moved him around in that 3-4 defense. But the defense for Penn State. They were able to get after Luke Altmeyer. They forced Illinois out of their comfort zone. They were able to, this Penn State's biggest strengths 
And Illinois' biggest weakness is when they have to play from behind. And Penn State's able to send those Manny Diaz blitzes. They're allowed to get creative with coverage. At times, Luke Altmaier looked really confused. They were able to bait and switch him with the defensive looks. So Manny Diaz, being the defensive coordinator of this team, is a huge plus and why they're able to be in the top five conversation when it comes to college football. So against teams like Illinois, yes, you are supposed to get five turnovers. Uh, but I do think just because the offense, the offense didn't do enough today. They, they didn't, they, they were able to sustain some drives, but they got turned away right at the goal line at the two when they had three opportunities. I don't know why you're throwing a fade route. I know it's not a design fade, but I don't know why you're trying to drop it over the shoulder of Catron out. That should be Theo Johnson. That should be Tyler Warren. When you're in the T formation on the left side of the line of scrimmage towards the left hash, why are you running counter sweeps? Why are you running sweep plays to the short side of the field where there's going to be a million bodies trying to just, just piling up in front of you? Okay. Jerzon Newton did a really good job of adjusting the line of scrimmage for Illinois, but St. I'm, I'm watching that scheme and I'm saying, Pitch it to Nicholas Singleton to run to the far side of the field. Let his track speed beat all those Illinois defenders to the pylon. Why are you taking away your best assets in Singleton and forcing him into the short side of the field? Even Katron Allen, just run to the far side of the field and let it open up. It felt like Penn State bottled itself up and contained itself when it didn't have to. But that I'm, I'm already getting into the offense here. I'm already getting out of line. Because I do want to, I, I do want to discuss the offense further. Because if anything, it was the offense. Five turnovers gives you essentially, if you convert on most of them, I would say that Penn State could have had twenty more points added to its total based on the five turnovers. You, you're assuming if they convert a touchdown on all five of them, that's thirty-five points. But let's just add another twenty. Okay, this game should have been fifty to, to thirty the way that the defense played. Um, but Daquan Hardy gives you a huge boost. Keziah Izzard, I did not realize. I want to give Keziah Izzard his, his due justice here. He makes the defensive line. He he allows the depth chart to be a little more expansive. He allows guys to get breaks. His presence is more important than people think. And he's always kind of been a co-starter, at least someone who's gotten valuable snaps when he has been on the football field. And it feels like because he struggled to be on the football field in 2022 with injuries, he was out for blue and white, and you're like, man, these injuries just keep lingering. And then for the start of the season, you missed him for the first two games. But Isaiah Izzard a lot, offers a lot of value here, Zane, uh, to the defensive line, whether people want to necessarily admit it or not. It, it just gives guys it gives guys an extra breather, and he is talented. So I'm glad that Izzard – I had to remind myself, I'm like, who's 99 out there? I don't see him a lot. It's Isaiah Izzard, and – he played valuable snaps today, uh, was able to uh, allow defenders just to get in the face of Luke Mahler, Luke Altmaier or John Paddock. Uh, and, and that's going to be important moving forward is the availability of Isaiah Izzard, Daquan Hardy, and Amin Vanover. Amin Vanover is much better against the run than he is against the pass. He's more of an edge setter, like a Nick Tarburton to offer the comparison. That's just what he is. He's a strong side defensive end that can set the line, it can set the edge of the line of scrimmage. So those three guys being available when you play Iowa, when you play Ohio state, when you play Michigan become much more important. So it was good to see them back. today. Yeah, I agree with you. And the defensive line I actually thought was like the most solid part of the defense today. Like, yeah, we got interceptions and which is good. And they had good coverage, but like our linebackers, I didn't think that 
like a great job. But like you said before, their tackling wasn't great. There was a couple plays where we would have like three guys go after the Illinois offensive guy and they just let him keep running. Like you mentioned before, like they would, we would have them on like third and long and then they would just get another like 10, 15 yards. And like, that's unacceptable for a Penn state defense. And I just think Penn state's linebackers need to get better at tackling and need to like read that offense a little bit better. Like, you know, Luke Altmeyer can run, you know, he's going to throw the ball if he's not running. So like, finder in between like abdul carter played incredible with pressure even though he didn't have like a bunch of sacks he was in on pressure like every single time which you can't ask for him to do anything else when it forces altmeyer to throw a short pass and then you know they just let the ball get through like you can't do that and i think that's what killed penn state the most i think the way illinois played i besides the interceptions i think they should have had a lot more points because they came out swinging and the our defense i didn't think was that good but Penn State won, so like you can't be upset about that. But I think Manny Diaz is going to have a strict target to the defense this week. I mean, I would say the biggest concern about the defense, and this is what I tried to point out, uh, you know, follow us both on X on Twitter just to kind of have those in-game thoughts. And I'm just kind of, whatever comes to mind, I'm trying to throw it off so that people can have those conversations live in the, in the moment in the game. And you're able to do this a little more with a road game because so many things, you know, being at the home game, being at Beaver Stadium. But um, just kind of observing this uh, on the TV and in the moment. And Penn State, I would say my biggest criticism of today, it, the bend don't break defense, that works, that's great. But at times, Penn State had Reggie Love, Josh McCray, Luke Altmeyer in the backfield, those tight ends, those wide receivers, it really didn't matter. And anybody that touched the football for Illinois. And my biggest concern, criticism of the day, was that should have been a loss on the play. That should have been minus one, minus two on the play for Illinois. Instead, somehow it turned into a 10 yard plus game. The one where it was Illinois had third and 18 and they were deep in their own territory. And then they faked like they were going to go for it on fourth down. And that was the nail in the coffin. If they decided to do that, didn't get the first down, Penn State probably would have had a few more points. And I think the the momentum would have really shifted and it could have gotten even further out of him. Illinois knew what it was doing by just trying to uh, see what they could do with the hard count. But why did Reggie Love almost get a first down on an obvious draw play? You knew it was coming from a mile away, and players were there to make the stop after one to two yards, and yet somehow he almost gets the first down. I think it was third and 22, and he picked up 20 yards on the play. That was the unacceptable part. It was that drive where Illinois down 13 to nothing. They strung a couple big plays together. Again, Penn State in the backfield at the line of scrimmage, making a play on the player. And then somehow that guy is ten, five to 10 yards up the field. That should have been a loss of two. And yet somehow it's flipped into a gain of eight. And then, so clean up some tackling, clean up the penalties by veteran players, might I remind you, specifically Ellie's and Lambert Smith. And then uh, things will be all right. <laughs> I, I really just, and James Franklin knows that you got to win. They won the big, they won the turnover battle. That's why they won today's game. Okay. The big play battle, if you look back and forth, that when it meets the eye, I would say it's about dead even when uh, who won the big play battle and then the penalty battle. I can pull it up because I have the stats here, and we'll just uh, – I got to go to the team stats as an overall. But when it came to penalties, and so I have it up now, Penn State committed seven penalties for 70 yards. Illinois, six penalties for 47. You lost the penalty battle, and that's why Illinois was even around in this game because that only gives – that not only gives yards to Illinois – it gives them momentum too, okay? 
and that's and so that if I'm going to criticize the defense about anything, that's that's really what I have. But five turnovers really makes up for it, Zane. It does. <laughs> it definitely does. I agree with you. But that penalties, yeah, you can't give up seventy yards worth of penalties. And James Franklin's a strict is a big for that too. So I know he's going to be pushing for that next week to not have that happen again. Well, Zane, we're going to get into the offense, and then we'll ultimately pivot into just kind of wrapping up. Illinois and Penn State talking a little bit about Iowa and getting an early impression on the Hawkeyes who I mean, Wisconsin struggled with Georgia Southern today. I got to imagine that the Hawkeyes are the favorite to take the Big Ten West, but uh, some people disagree. They still think it's Wisconsin. So that's what's on the way. But we are going to talk in depth about the offense. I've kind of already uh, said my piece with them, but I definitely have more. Let's hear from one of our sponsors of today's episode, and that is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers take advantage of this offer from FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On, number one sportsbook in America, because new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. What's not to love about that offer? All you got to do is go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to take advantage of that. FanDuel, number one sportsbook in America, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And Locked On College Football Kickoff Live appears every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I was a special guest on the show. You can check out that segment on the YouTube channel wherever you get your podcast. And I'm glad it wasn't so much focused about a preview between Penn State and Illinois. It was understanding why Penn State was a college football playoff contender. So go check out that segment. It's about 10 minutes to get a better understanding of why Penn State is a top four team in the country. I know it didn't look pretty against Illinois, but 30 to 13, it are it, it is these kinds of games where you have to win ugly to keep preserving that undefeated record. Two, three years ago, Penn State doesn't close out this game necessarily. This year, you never had to worry about it. Maybe the cover was in doubt, right? Good teams win, great teams cover. But I, other than that, I never I once the the end of the when we get got towards the end of the third quarter, I knew it's completely out of reach for uh, Illinois to try to make a comeback in this. So uh, you could kind of just sit back and say, well, Penn State won, but now where do you go from here? And that's where we are. The offense. So we have plenty of comments coming in. Let's start with Chris, and I hope people were patient. This offense is one of the most loaded offenses in the country in terms of talent, and it's frustrating to me that it's not being utilized. Chris, appreciate the comment, and let's get the conversation started that way. The offense looked rough, same. Uh, that that's pretty much says it all. Keandre Lambert-Smith was underutilized i don't know if the penalty affected him in terms of mentally where was trey wallace in all of this right um i, I feel like penn state didn't have uh, it, trey wallace not being available it just in the middle of the game <laughs> really hindered a, a penn state offense and then nicholas singleton's your leading wide receiver so what, what's going on here um that the uh, drew aller missed some passes some i missed theo johnson wide open in the end zone the aerial attack and the ground game, they have a balanced offense. So I'm glad Chris brought this up, but it was frustrating to see them see them work. But again, they were able to, to grind the Illinois defense to a halt and just tire them out, which worked on a day like today. Honestly, I don't think it was just as much about like the receiving end of the offense that was struggled. I think the biggest thing was the blocking because like blocking in general, like either Drew Aller didn't have time to make a good read because I thought his reads were pretty poor today, like overall, uh, despite like even though having like 48% completion. But also like like even the wide receiver blocking like was ridiculous. And like that one play that Katron Allen was going up, he was at like the five-yard line and 
JB Nelson decides to run into him. Like, what in the world was going on there? And there was just other blocking plays. Like, no wonder Nick Singleton and Katron Allen couldn't get any yardage because the offensive line couldn't open up any holes. There was a couple plays they should have probably bounced it back outside, but they just didn't have time to or just didn't see the hole. And they couldn't even get many yardage. Like, having neither of our running backs to get 100 yards is crazy because they're both talented Mm -hmm. enough to do that. Like, yes, the offensive line, they're big, they're strong, but a good offensive, a great offensive line in the Big Ten is going to be able to know what offensive plays they're running and be able to push one side or the other and make gaps for their running backs. And Penn State offensive line, like, yeah, it looks good on paper. And, like, guys like J.B. Nelson, Hunter Norris added Olu Fashion to obviously, but if you can't make a hole or block for your running backs or mm-hmm. give Drew Aller just that other like half second to make that good pass. Like, I think you're failing in that sense. And even like when the wide receivers get down the field, if a guy's going to catch the ball, the other wide receiver should be blocking for him to get that other, like that extra run after catch yards. Like you got to figure out that blocking scheme, but if you're going to win the big 10, that's your first thing you got to work on. Well, I'm wondering what the biggest issue is. And here's another interesting comment. The run blocking isn't getting any better. They're wasting Singleton and Allen. Well, the running, the run blocking certainly isn't getting any better. I feel like Jerzon Newton and Randolph, the law firm for Illinois, right? That's what, they, what they've done, dubbed themselves. Um, they did a good job, did a great job today against Illinois, uh, against Penn State along the line of scrimmage. Uh, Olu Fashionu at times looked, I don't know. That's a top five franchise tackle, right? That's supposed to be, you can have bad games, right? Okay. All new fashion. And you can even have bad plays, but those bad plays were occurring a little too frequently for the offensive line. I all new fashion who did not have his best game Newton, a little too much for whether it was JB Nelson and they moved him everywhere. So Caden Wallace, Sal Wormley, Hunter Norzad, they, got the fullest test today of what you're probably going to see more so against Ohio State and Michigan is a talent like Newton, and he can go all four quarters. I'm surprised they kept him out there as long as they did. Even when he got a little banged up, I said, okay, now you got to take Newton out of the game. No, Bo Prabula is in now, and Newton's still out there making plays. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is Illinois doing at this point if they think that uh, it, if there's any value of keeping him in the game at this point? Um, but the run blocking is not getting any better. It is on the wide receivers, too. Specifically, whether it was Dante Cephas or Keandre Lambert-Smith, I I remember a play specifically where Dante Cephas just let his man go. The guy shed the block. I don't know what defensive back it was, but couldn't take him out of the play. The defensive back shed Cephas and makes the tackle on Singleton. And I'm like, well, this is the problem. This is why these explosive plays aren't developing because the wide receivers aren't able to do enough blocking downfield. So it, it's not just the first five guys up front for Penn State. The offensive line definitely needs to do a better job. But if you're going to break those long 70-plus yard touchdowns that we know Singleton can do, that shows the value of what a veteran like Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington were able to do a season ago because Keandre Lambert-Smith was still on the team. And he's kind of guilty of those blocking problems by the wide receivers collectively. But you see a significant drop-off from a season ago of those big rushing plays. What's the difference? Mitchell Tinsley's not there, and neither is Parker Washington. So uh, you got to give some blame to the wide receivers. And it's why the tight ends are staying more in the block, because 
not everyone is doing their job on the run plays. They need Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren to be extra blockers rather than extra receivers. And it's just kind of disappointing to this point um, after three games. And the way that Illinois plays defense with now, I thought they were going to have more success on the ground game because Kansas obliterated them on the ground. Toledo, 30-28 to 28 was the final, but Toledo controlled most of that game. Why, why couldn't Penn State have had that success uh, the way that they did? But um, the, it's, it is because the, the ground game is just not doing what it's supposed to do. So it's, don't put it on Singleton and Allen. They are doing everything that they can to try to get into open space. But um, Penn State fans, and we're just going to have to be patient <laughs> about the development of the ground game. Yeah, Penn State just needs those good role players like we had last year. You mentioned Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, also Brenton Strange, who was a fantastic. Like, oh, blocker. he's one of the best blocking tight ends you'll see at Penn State. I can so say that. Yeah, that's point. where it gets difficult with like Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson. Yes, they yep. both have really good hands and they can catch the ball, but and I think Theo's a better blocker than Tyler. But either way, today neither of them super like really shined in that blocking scheme and. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to figure out how you're in a block. Like, you said about Dante Cephas just, like, giving up on the play. Like, that's a really fast way to just get benched the rest of the game in James Franklin's eyes because he wants you to go to 110%. So, they need all their guys in, to play, especially if you're missing Trey Wallace. You got to, whether it be Malik McClain or Dante Cephas or Lambert Smith, if he doesn't have the ball, I think he's got to block for their guys. Like you said, Nick and Catron, they were getting banged up today. There was... There was nothing they could do. They were fighting for every yard they got. And a couple plays they really pushed just to get, like, that extra, like, yard or two. And it's like, they did good. It's like, I don't, you can't ask them to do much better when nobody's helping them out. It's not a one-man show. And you you need those role players. Like, you look at basketball teams even, like, Mm -hmm. to build a good dynasty, you have those good role players. And Penn State football needs those guys. That's where, like, this year's team has more talent than last year's Mm -hmm. Penn State football team. But... Like, it's star power right now, and, like, we need people to just figure out what their roles are so we can take the next step. 